For those of you who don't know me, my name's June, and uh, today we'll be carrying on our series. Today we're in um, Psalm 97. If we could have the Bibles coming round, um, I will be um, referring regularly to the psalm today, so it'll be helpful whether you've got it on your phone or having a paper Bible just to be able to refer back to. Keep me honest, make sure I'm not making it up as I go along. Um, So this is in the Church Bibles, page 603. Psalm 97. And it reads, The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all peoples see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame Those who boast in idols, worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, Lord. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Let all who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hands of the wicked. Light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we're carrying on our sermon series, um, which is hits in the 90s. So today, just to get us going, <clears throat> I'm going to put you to the test a little bit. Um, so no, no sleeping through this one, folks, I'm afraid. <laughs> and what we're going to do is see how many hits from the 90s, pop hits from the 90s, I'm going to mention in my opening. So you might want your fingers or a piece of paper to jot down. Are we ready? Well, that was very enthusiastic, wasn't it? Are we ready? That's much better. Okay, here we go. In society today, it is common people will have concerns about suffering, which build to a bittersweet symphony. People saying, I'm losing my religion. Yet, as we are moving on up in our forward way of thinking, we are discouraged from regret. We recognise everybody hurts, so don't look back in anger. We, uh, We share posts like, love is love, yet wonder what is love? Fear of missing out causes us to say, I don't want to miss a thing, yet we miss the very things which are most important. It is vogue now that we don't speak of God, yet talking of angels is fine. We find ourselves worshipping the wrong things. We build ourselves a gangster's paradise. And I can only imagine that there are tears in heaven because it's ironic that the the idols I might worship are killing me softly. May that never, ever be true of us. May we live to say, all I want to do is praise you like I should. I want to be more like Jesus. 
to a child, it will seem a long way off, but I hope that when I come to the end of the road, I can say that nothing compares to you, that everything I do, I do it for you. (laughs) How How did we do? How many people found five or more? Yeah, 10 or more? 15 or more? 20 or more? Wow, well done, folks. There were a possible 23 there. Good work. Okay, so for some of us, we'll think about uh, the 90s and the music from the 90s with great fondness, and we might have found that quite easy and exciting. For others, perhaps we don't enjoy pop music or that just wasn't our era. Maybe we'd have done better if this sermon series had been hits in the 80s. I'm part of a pub quiz team and the music rounds are often about music from the 60s and 70s and that is not my era. I don't do well with those rounds. But if as a quiz team we only ever knew things about music from the 60s and 70s but knew nothing about science, we wouldn't do very well. Actually, our team is quite well balanced and so while some people are really good at music from the 60s and 70s, others are better at science or geography or literature, so we're quite well balanced and as a result, I can't take credit for this myself, as a result the team does quite well, we're quite an effective team. It strikes me that it may be similar when it comes to knowledge about different aspects of the character or nature of God. If we're only ever leaning into God's love and faithfulness without any awareness of the other aspects of his nature, perhaps we become a bit lopsided or maybe even ineffective. Our psalm today starts with the words, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. So what I'd like us to consider today is, why should we be glad that it is the Lord who reigns? Why should we be glad that it is the Lord who reigns? And we'll take in some of these other aspects of God's nature, God's character. We're going to think about the the fact that he is holy, that he is mighty, and that he is just. So, God is holy. One of the reasons that we should be glad that he reigns is that he's holy. And verse 12 tells us, that we should praise his holy name. Not his friendly name, not his faithful name, his holy name. Clouds and thick darkness surround him, we're told in verse two. And one commentary says about that verse that it paints a picture of the unapproachable holiness and hiddenness to presumptuous man. God, without his own intervention and provision, is untouchably, unapproachably holy. Now, what do we mean about, by this word holy? We bandy it around quite a lot in church, don't we? When I use the word holy, I'm talking about this sense of God being separate from, utterly separate from or set apart from anything which is bad, anything which is wrong, anything which is evil. He is without flaw, without blemish. The Lord reigns and because he is holy, because he's separate from everything that's wrong. His reign is not self-seeking. And we might compare some of these ideas to reigns of governments and monarchies that we've seen throughout history and in different parts of the world. God's reign is not subject to bribery or corruption. It's not deceitful, oppressive, neglectful. It does not favour some at the expense of others. 
it is very, very good for us that it is a holy God who reigns. I wonder whether um, one of the things that we might learn from brothers and sisters from different church traditions is having a sense of, an awareness of God's holiness as we approach a time of worship. And by that, I'm not talking about what's happening for us externally, how we're behaving, but what's going on for us internally. This doesn't need to be a big, heavy thing for us, but I'm just pondering this question, and I ask it just as much of myself as I am asking you. When I come to a time of worshipping God, am I approaching it with the same attitude I might have going to the cinema? Or do I approach a time of worshipping a holy God with a sense of awe and wonder and even reverential fear? One of my phone contacts a number of years ago um, gave me a new number. He'd had to get a new number because, because he'd flushed his phone down the toilet mid-conversation. <laughs> I remember thinking, I hope you don't multitask like that when you're speaking to me on the phone. It feels a bit over-familiar, doesn't it? And yet... When it comes to prayer, I wonder how many of us do grab a few minutes in the smallest room. (laughs) And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, pray without ceasing, right? But how do we balance this very familiar and loving relationship with a sense of God's holiness? Well, I think we see a glimpse of how this could look Um, at the Platinum Jubilee concert. Now, I know that people will have very mixed ideas about royalty, but hopefully this example is still useful. As Prince Charles began his address that evening, he said, your majesty, mummy. It's both and, isn't it? God is both holy and mighty and majestic and worthy of that awe and wonder. And he is also Abba, Papa, Daddy. God is holy and he reigns. Let the earth be glad. Secondly, we should be glad that it is the Lord who reigns because he is mighty, he's powerful, he is a mighty deliverer. Listen to this description in verses four and five. His lightning lights up the world, the earth sees and trembles, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. He is so awesome in his might that even things which seem completely unmovable simply melt. They become formless in the presence of God. This is the God who created the universe simply by his words. He has parted the sea, he's paused the sun. There aren't many things that we can think of as unmovable or unyielding as mountains, and yet they cannot withstand the Lord. He is not a little pet God that we keep in our pocket to please us. It is very, very good for us that it is a mighty God who reigns. 
Because if he is mighty enough that mountains melt before him, then surely he is mighty enough to deliver us, to separate us from the stains and the shame of our mistakes, to make us clean, to set us free, to bring us from death to life. He is mighty and he reigns. Let the earth be glad. In addition to him being holy and mighty, he is just. We're told in verse two that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So his very kingdom is established on justice, on fairness. Linda mentioned this when she was preaching last week on Psalm 96, that these psalms, um, these two psalms in particular seem to be, scholars suggest that they relate to the time when Jesus will return. And when we think about that, when we hold that and the idea of God's justice in mind, things start to look slightly different. So verse three, a fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. When Jesus returns, there will be judgment. Verse eight tells us people are glad because of God's judgment. And I think sometimes we struggle with this idea. Mike picked up on this a couple of weeks ago, that we're not often in our very comfortable lives, we're not often faced with a need for justice. Recently, I've been reading um, a number of books about violence against women and girls across the world. Some of you will know that that's a particular interest for me. Um, One book um, states, Acts of violence against women aged 15 to 44 globally produce more deaths, disability and mutilation than cancer, malaria and traffic accidents put together. It's shocking, it's shocking. I have read stories which have haunted my imagination, stories of girls married as children who receive such beatings and abuse that they choose to attempt to end their lives in the most torturous of ways. Of course, we could just as easily be thinking about injustices regarding racism or disability hate crime or all kinds of other issues. But as I think about this kind of injustice, I begin to see with fresh eyes what beauty and hope there is in a just God. Of course, when we think about God's judgment, it's not only related to those who we might want to think of as monstrous. And it doesn't only relate to how we treat one another, but how we've treated the earth and how we have treated God. It is very, very good for us that it is a just God who reigns. Wrongdoings will be addressed. And his holiness means that the judgment will be fair and impartial. And his might means that it is not an empty, powerless threat. A fire goes before him. If this psalm talks about Jesus' return, it certainly has echoes of another point in history. We thought earlier on about this idea of clouds and thick darkness covering the Lord, and it reminds us of another time that darkness covered the Lord for three hours, 
as he hung suspended between heaven and earth. As this holy God took our wrongdoing upon himself. As this mighty God surrendered to human cruelty. As this just God took undeserved punishment. Our psalm talks about the earth trembling as the Lord lights up the sky with lightning. And we're reminded that when the light of the world gave up his spirit, the earth shook, rocks split, and the curtain which separated God and humanity was torn apart. This holy and mighty moment in history brings forth the most amazing invitation to us. We are invited to know this mighty, powerful God, to approach this holy God, to be judged as righteous by this just God, simply by trusting in God's gift of righteousness to us. We can be judged as having the same righteousness as Jesus. Have you ever heard an invitation as amazing as this? It really should fill us with awe and wonder. But this invitation comes at cost. So yes, Jesus gets to judge. And I, I understand that the idea of Jesus as judge can be uncomfortable for us. But here's the bottom line, and forgive me for those of you who've heard me say this before. But we cannot expect a God who loves us so much as to die for us, then to love us so little as to be indifferent to our response. He is just and he reigns. Let the earth be glad. I went to the first Invictus Games for military veterans a number of years ago. And one of the, this was to see the cycling, one of the recumbent races was particularly memorable. I think we've got a picture of it here. Yeah, so here they are, JJ Chalmers, Paul Weiss, and Robert Cromley Hawke. And it was obvious in this race early on that Team GB was going to be taking gold, silver, and bronze. The only question really was who was taking gold. Hmm. But, oh dear, <laughs> always gets me this story. As they approached the finish line, this is what happened. <laughs> they crossed the finish line together, hand in hand. I love that they were able to share the victory, to share the glory, the accolade. They were each prepared to forego personal glory for the sake of something greater. And of course, it reminds us that Jesus was prepared to leave the glory of heaven, to forego all of that for the sake of our salvation in order that this wonderful invitation could be available to us. It is 
truly beautiful. But please know, when it comes to the lordship of our lives, there is no sharing the throne. There is no sharing the crown. Are you glad that it is the Lord who reigns? As I've reflected on this, I think the times that I'm most glad of God's reign are times that I'm most surrendered to him, contented in him, resting in the knowledge that I'm loved by him. At other times, I have to confess that I find myself to be indifferent to God's reign. And I suspect it's at those times that I'm preoccupied with other things. Either I want to reign myself, I want to be in control, or I have allowed other things to slip in and I'm worshipping them alongside God. If we have a look at verse 7, Are we worshipping images, boasting in idols, gods of our own making, like achievements, money, career, success, popularity? Do we tolerate idols in our lives? Verse 10, those who love God hate evil. Do we hate anything which would get in the way of us knowing and loving God more? Is the posture of my heart upright, pointing towards, yearning to know and love God more? C.S. Lewis in um, a novel called Till We Have Faces, um, he gets one of his characters who's had incredible suffering. This character says this, I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. You yourself are the answer. Before your face, all questions die away. What other answer could suffice? You know the idols in our lives, they're not the answer. Us reigning ourselves, it's not the answer. No matter how we're feeling, what we're facing, Jesus, in his holiness, in his might, in his justice. He is the answer. I believe that God has created us to be most fulfilled, most joyful when we are enjoying his reign in our lives. This psalm calls us to rejoice in the reign of God, not in the reign of a weak and insipid deity of our own imagination, but to rejoice in the reign of a holy, mighty and just God. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you want us to join in relationship with you. Thank you that you are the answer. And Lord, even now I want to pray for people who perhaps have experienced that sense of injustice, 
or abuse in their lives. And Lord, I pray that you would bring comfort and restoration. Help each of us to appreciate in new ways just how awesome you are and how amazing and awe-inspiring it is that you draw us into relationship with yourself. Be glorified, we pray. May we always have you upon the throne of our lives. May you be always crowned as king of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.